This Breakfast with Ben's podcast on the Fans First Network brought to you by Gerger Construction. It's not too soon to start planning your dream deck. They build decks year-round, and they're booking into spring and summer 2024. Gerger Construction is a small burg business specializing in decks, pergolas, railings, and fencing. Fully insured, licensed, and now offering financing options. Go to GergerConstruction.com to get your free project estimate or to schedule your deck safety inspection today. It's a Madden Monday in advance of a Steelers Monday night game. Steelers-Browns at Akershire Stadium. I'll be on the pregame show at 4 o'clock on DVE. Mark will also be on 105.9 The X breaking down the game. So we'll have you covered. We'll preview it as well. Madden Ben's unfiltered 9.30 a.m. on the Trib Live Facebook stream. Mark, where's your head right now as it relates to the Steelers going into this contest against Cleveland? Was last week against the 49ers an aberration? Or are they worthy underdogs that you think will walk away 0-2 to start the year? Well, first off, the NFL's really screwed up. Look at some of these results and even... You know, some of the games that, that come out with the correct winner, like the Giants and Cardinals, look, look at some of the twists and turns that game uh, gave us. It, it's a situation where they actually need the four exhibition games or they need to play the starters more, all the teams in the exhibition games, because the teams just come out flat and disheveled, as many do as don't. And I think we're seeing some of that. Uh, in the regular season, these first two weeks, I think we might have seen that from the Steelers a little bit in week one, because as well as they played in the preseason, their starters didn't play much. I think what we saw from the Niners in week one was for real. Uh, as far as what the Steelers do against the Browns, I think the Browns probably have a better team. I think the Steelers will probably win anyway. Uh, I think Amari Cooper being out is going to really make them one-dimensional. And if the Steelers can, and Tim, it would be a miracle, what if they came out playing well right away and seized the lead? Boy, wouldn't that be something? I forget the last time we saw that. But uh, if they did that and made Cleveland one-dimensional, because they really, I mean, Watson didn't throw the ball well in week one, despite them beating the Bengals. Like I said, Cooper's out. I just think the Steelers also have more to lose in this game than Cleveland does. So I think Cleveland's probably going to find a way to lose it. And if not, maybe the Steelers leave and find a way to win it. Well, Mark, you alluded to something that I discussed a great deal on your show on Friday, and that is about what was real from week one. And I think the most real thing, the thing that really you can look at that result, walk away from and say, yeah, that's probably telling a script that's going to be true for the better part of the next 16 weeks was the Steelers are just not close yet to the creme de la creme of the league. We can work ourselves into some sort of machinations about they're still going to be better than what they were a year ago after just one game, but that game against the Niners still indicates to me that this team is closer to last year's version when it comes to facing the best of the league, akin to what we saw last year when they got blown out by the Eagles and Bills. Tim, I'll, I'll go one step further. I don't think they're close to winning a playoff game. Never mind the creme de la creme. I think they probably still are going to miss the playoffs and definitely won't win a playoff game. I, I think this could be the year before the year. I, I think they might be a team that could win a playoff game next year if they have another 
good draft, but if they do have another good draft, then maybe they won't play those guys either. And maybe Broderick Jones and Joey Porter Jr. still won't be ready to play next year. I mean, this method they have of just doing things the same way because this is the way we do things, it, it just it makes me insane. If Pat Pete starts on the outside against Cleveland, and maybe it won't be as daunting a task with Amari Cooper out, but I hope he gets singed and they lose because of it. Because at some point, why is the frig up? I was put off by the explanation that Mike Tomlin had for that this week, which was, well, we just weren't in dime enough to play Joey Porter. That's nonsense. Well, then if you were in nickel and base enough to see that Patrick Peterson was getting beat as often as he was, then put Joey Porter in there. Or if you're playing nickel and base as much as you are and you're still getting gashed in the run, at least play a heavy version of the dime, and that might just work out as well against the run and you'd be better against the pass. Yeah, I mean... I think that's pretty obvious. I think, I mean, here's the bottom line, Tim. Pat Pete can't play on the outside. He's washed up in that regard. And they brought him in, I thought, to not play on the outside. I thought that was pointedly said by Pat Pete. Right. So the dominoes shouldn't fall in terms of how to make him pacified by playing time. The dominoes should fall based on how little then they have to play him, period. Right. Exactly. It shouldn't be nickel, dime, base. It should be this guy can't play outside, so don't do it. I also giggled a bit when I saw Dan Moore talking about the right tackle, left tackle thing when he was heaping praise on Broderick Jones for how well he's picking up right tackle, and he's way ahead of when he tried to do that. In other words, yeah, give him the job I don't want. I'm happy here at left tackle. I just don't think Broderick Jones should be on the bench. You traded up to get him. Dan Moore Jr. graded worst among all tackles, correct? Yes. That's pro football focus. Worst among all tackles, right or left, in week one. So Broderick Jones, by definition of that evaluation, Tim, couldn't do worse. See, I don't think Tom was a good coach anymore. And part of it is he just relies on the way we've always done it. But, I mean, here's a guy, no playoff wins in six years, three playoff wins in 12 years. You know all the numbers, Tim. I, I think he's hit his expiration date here in Pittsburgh long since. Mark, when it comes to the absence of Cameron Hayward, one guy who did grade out well in a lot of metrics was Keanu Benton, the rookie nose tackle from Wisconsin. How much does his presence, his potential ascent with more playing time offset the loss of Cam? Well, I hate to see Keanu Benton get more playing time at the expense of Cam Hayward being hurt. That's for sure. I mean, I just hope they don't outsmart themselves, but they will, Tim. They will. They'll play like, who is it? The Marvin Leal, Montrevious. Who's the other bum? Oh, uh, Loudermilk. You know, they should just go with Benton, period. You know, at least make him at the top of that rotation. But I just don't think they will because, you know, it's a real tough system we have here in Pittsburgh. And you know, put a rookie out there, that's just, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's like I said, corner. his job is to cover somebody. At left tackle with Jones, his job is to block somebody. If you put uh, Keanu in for a lot of snaps, his job is to tackle somebody. They just badly overcomplicate. That goes back to what I said about how the Steelers got to get off to a good start and get a lead. Because you want to make Watson beat you without Cooper, might I add. You don't want to make a situation where Cleveland gets a lead or it's you know one score either way into the second half. And it's going to be Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb. Agreed. 
And I think part of what can really be underscored by that is if the Steelers do get out to that lead, then the biggest mismatch in their favor comes into play, which is Watt and Highsmith against those two tackles. Right. But they just have this notion that they keep games close into the fourth and we're tougher and we'll win. But they're not tougher. They play like a bunch of candy asses uh, against San Francisco. They got physically dominated on both sides of the ball. Now, San Francisco does that. But I just think the softness of the Steelers was very much evident. Mark Madden with us. Madden Monday here on Trib Live. Okay, Mark, speaking of what's real and what is and what was real about the Browns win over the Bengals, especially after what we saw again from the Bengals today against the Ravens. My gosh, we're talking about the Steelers maybe going 0-2. At least they'd only have one loss in conference, one loss in division. The Bengals already have two of those, and it sounds like Burrow tweaked his calf again at some point during this game. I think they might have brought him back too quick, and I think the Bengals might really be in trouble. How that reflects on the Browns and that win in week one, I do not know. But I think the Bengals might really be in trouble, which opens the door for the Steelers if they can beat the Browns. If they don't beat the Browns, then Cleveland and Baltimore both 2-0, and Bengals and Steelers both 0-2. And, and Tim, that's a bigger gap than you think even two weeks in, isn't it? Yeah, especially when those two losses are in division. And uh, I do think that the 17-game season, up to 17 now, uh, mitigates the 0-2 start, which used to be a magic death sentence. But, like, you know, the Steelers have at least proven that you could get off to these rotten starts in September and still be in the calculus for the playoff mix by the time the last week rolls around. But, like, I look back to those games against the Jets and Patriots last year that were early on in the season that cost them. Maybe not directly because they were weak, one and two results, but oh those... no, no, Tim, those cost directly. But but it, it's part of the illusion. You know they've started the season poorly. Four out of the last five could be five out of the last six, but that gets ignored because they finish strong and a Tomlin team never quits. And they're in it till the last week, and we can still tailgate, go to the bar, and go to sidelines tomorrow night for the Mark Madden viewing party. That's important too. Sidelines in Millville. I mean, you see what I'm saying? It's just it's such an illusion. It's a it's a self-perpetuating illusion. Mark, if Taco Boy gets at least half a sack on Monday night, which I bet he does, he's usually excellent against the Browns, do you think then that T.J. Watt goes down as the best pass rusher in Steelers history based strictly upon getting that statistical accomplishment? Or should it be more than that that goes into the analysis because he hasn't had the postseason success that others on that list have? He goes down as the best pass rusher in a 3-4. Like, I saw the, the Steel Curtain play in the 70s, and I know it's a different kind of pass rush, but Joe Green, L.C. Greenwood, they were just as good, if not better, in the context of that defense rushing the passer as the uh, as T.J. Watt is now. Might not have got the raw sacks, you know what I mean, but, but, but their position obliged them to do more than just seek sacks. And I know Watt's pretty good in coverage, etc. Bats down some passes, but uh, it's a different kind of job. Within context, I think Watt is probably the best, period. Definitely the best in a 3-4. So let me then broaden the question and narrow the position. Is he the best outside linebacker in a 3-4? Not just pass rusher, but linebacker. Whole Scott's job skill set like Harrison Lloyd and Porter. Is he still better than all those guys? Yes. Okay. I think so. 
I think he's pretty decent pass coverage. Like, he's not a better outside linebacker than Jack Ham. Nowhere close. He tackled like a 3-4 outside backer. You know what I mean? He wasn't much of a pass rusher, but that wasn't his job. Like I said, different context. Do you think that Jack Ham would have been a better pass rusher if he was more asked to do so in a 3-4 look? Better than Watt? No. Better than he was, yes. Last thing on this, Mark, that we'll get some other topics. The Raiders, uh, they got blown out this week. Even if the Steelers do lose on Monday, can they right themselves against the Raiders and Texans and get this thing to 2-2 two and two before they get the Ravens? Well, I think they're going to beat Cleveland. Okay. I got them 19-17 beating Cleveland, so I'm with you. If it stays low scoring, if Watson doesn't get going, if they don't get gouged by Chubb, I think they do the Tomlin thing, keep it close, and win a one-score game. Unless Cleveland blows them out. <laughs> Which I don't rule out based no, on what we saw last week. I, mean, I have that feeling. I think it's like 60%, maybe even a little better, the Steelers win a close game. 40% Cleveland blows them out. Yeah, and then I think that... What ha- if Cleveland comes out and scores on their first possession, Tim, and the Steelers go three and out? Oh, I think the Boo Birds come out. I, I think that the crowd turns ugly. I think that the tone changes. And well, I think, Tim, I think all that depends on how many tickets got sold to Cleveland fans by Steelers season ticket holders. And I think what also comes into play then, Mark, is what we've talked about many times. One game was one game against the Mighty Niners, okay. But if the first quarter goes badly for the Steelers, maybe even that first offensive drive, is that where Tomlin gets super conservative and makes Pickett look, uh, try to play the position like a rookie still? Yes. <laughs> yeah. In a nutshell. I want to celebrate when Pickett throws two touchdown passes in the game. Tim, I've made a big deal out of that, that he has played 14 games, started 13, and has never thrown two touchdown passes in the game. And the reason I do that is because it is a big deal. I can't even imagine that's possible. And I know that, you know, he has Matt Canada, who's the great Satan, who gets blamed for everything. But to not have two touchdown passes in 14 games... It's just, you know, two in one game in 14 games is incredible. And Ben did it six times. And if you look at the stats, Ben threw a lot less over those 14 games than Pickett did. Mark Madden with us. It is a Madden Monday. How about the backyard brawl, Mark? And the result, especially all the way down to the post-game media session where they didn't have Phil Jerkovic go out to take questions after that horrible performance against West Virginia. Tim, there's a word to describe Phil Dracovic that I can't use, but he is. <laughs> and, and, and you know, he plays like it, he acts like it, he talks like it, or in this case, doesn't talk like it. You know, here's a guy, three schools, uh, six years, doesn't have a master's degree or a doctorate. He still doesn't get it. He doesn't understand where he is or what he is and at what point his career is at. And it says a lot that they barely had him throw – and when he did throw, he threw three picks. I mean, and then it's ridiculous, though, because Narduzzi, you know, plays real conservative with him but won't pull him, and he's going to start again next week. And, and Narduzzi's as much at fault as anybody. But but Jerkovic, I mean, like, you know, him calling the fans who booed a pathetic, then him not talking to the media last night, what a brat. Well, from what I've heard about the media thing, and that this is what I was told from somebody on the inside, that Jerkovic was willing to go out – but what they did in this situation was they didn't even take requests from the media as to who would speak because it was a night game. 
and they just picked the two guys that went out and Jerkovic wasn't one of them. I'm yeah, sorry. I just don't believe that for a second. I'm sorry, but it, if, if it did go down that way, you got to have your quarterback talk after a game like that. You just have to. Yes, and I, I don't believe that for a second. Not for one second. And for God's sakes, the guy got an Audi at his last job. You know, grown-ass man, you are a grown-ass man. You're 24. If you can get an Audi at 21 for playing quarterback, you can answer some questions from the media at 24. And I thought West Virginia played awful as well, but they kind of gutted it out, didn't they, after losing their starting quarterback to injury? Where are you in the Deion Sanders thing right now? Can't argue with 2-0. and Where you know? Well, then I can argue even less. <laughs> Tim, he's winning them so fast I can't keep up with it. Now, who's he play next? Oregon and, and Southern Cal, right? Uh, yeah, so maybe the chickens come home to roost a little bit. Yes. Or maybe they don't. I mean, I hate his style. I got to give him credit. And he's got you know some good players. I don't players. like how he tries to make everything into a personal issue. The Colorado State coach helped in that regard, though. I don't think he was planning to do that this week, and then the Colorado coach, Colorado State coach served it up to him on a silver platter. Eh, I thought what he said was harmless. How was Guns N' Roses this time around, Mark? Uh, good. The venue was bigger than I thought. It was actually 7,100. Okay. But it was still, it's still rather small, and I was pretty close. So, yeah, I thought it was really good. Uh Axel's voice was excellent. He actually hit the nail on the head with Sweet Child of Mine, which he had trouble with because of the high notes and some of the other performances. But uh, I don't think they ever disappoint. There was a, a band that opened up called The Warning. Uh, three young Mexican girls, ages 18 to 22, sisters. Drums, bass, guitar, guitar player did vocals. Heavy rock, Tim. Heavy, heavy rock. It was pretty good. I don't know much about them. I saw you tweet about them. I will have to check that out. Now, do you have Guns N' Roses anymore, or was this your final stop on the tour? Well, it depends on Aerosmith. If Aerosmith plays, if they regroup, then I'll probably not go to Guns N' Roses again until uh, next. I think they added four shows. No, you know what? I probably won't go again because I think they're done in October. So I probably won't go again, but uh, I'm sure they'll play in the new year, and I'm sure they're going to do a Vegas residency as well. So I'm sure I'll see them again soon. Mark Madden, make sure you're listening for his show today, as well as myself on DVE on the pregame show. And we got Madden Benz unfiltered. 9.30 a.m., so more Steelers-Browns talk talk in advance of the game. Next time you have Madden Monday, we'll have two games to talk about because they'll play Cleveland this week, and then they got the uh, Las Vegas Raiders Coming up next week, so we'll have two games to recap here on Madden Monday next week on Triple Tim, I, I want to talk about how Spittin' Chicklets is going to win a Pulitzer. I think it's weird that a representative of TNT, somebody who's on their nationally televised uh, between periods program, uh, declared that uh, whenever a player was wronged, it would be no spit, no loop, sandpaper finish. <laughs> I just can't. I just can't believe that TNT likes a reference to sodomy. But uh, hey, maybe TNT's going into a direction I don't see. Mark Madden, make sure you check us out. Madden Benz Unfiltered. We'll talk more about that on the Trib Live Facebook stream. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. 
Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply.